0: Hey friends, if you struggle to find time to read the Bible, or maybe like me, you do devotions in the morning, but then you could use a little more scripture in your day, I wanna make sure you know about the Dwell Bible app. What makes Dwell so special is that they read the Bible to you. And you can choose from all different books of the Bible, different plans, they even have Dwell Daily, which is a daily devotional. And what really sets Dwell apart is that they have a variety of voices you can have read the bible to you over time i've listened to rosie the most she is soft and relaxed and makes you feel like you're sitting by a fireside being read to i also love amber's voice it's comforting and eloquent so good and then you can also choose what you want in the background whether it's music or white noise i love hearing the piano being played while i listen to the bible being read to me pretty special dwell has something for everyone, men, women, and even children. So go over to dwellbible.com forward slash Monica Swanson to receive your 25% discount today. Again, that's dwellbible.com forward slash Monica Swanson for your 25% discount. I know you're going to love it, so check it out. Let me know what you think. Christian Parenting Aloha friends, welcome to the Boy Mom Podcast, powered by Christian Parenting. I am Monica Swanson, mom to four boys, podcast host, and author of Boy Mom, What Your Son Needs Most From You. Here on the podcast, it's my goal to bring you practical advice and biblical wisdom for raising boys in this sometimes crazy world. You can always find show notes over at monicaswanson.com forward slash podcast. I'm so glad you're here.
1: Want to approach it from a curiosity point of view. I, I'm concerned about this, or I've noticed this. Can you help me understand you know, what's going on? Um, You know, we're very good at listening to each other's words when we talk, but we're not so good many times at listening to the feelings that are behind the words. And, And that's a skill that every parent can learn and every parent can practice so that when we're talking to our children, we're not just hearing their words, we're hearing their feelings and we can reflect those feelings back to the child.
0: Hey friends, welcome back to the Boy Mom Podcast. Thank you so much for taking time to hang out with me today. In this episode, we are covering an important topic and a topic I've never covered here on the podcast before. That's two weeks in a row. Uh, But I have always hoped to find somebody who would be a wise voice, a voice with experience to speak on the topic of raising a child with an addiction. And this is such a hard one. Um, I want to start off by saying if this is you, if you're listening, because you have a child battling an addiction, I am so sorry. I have friends who have walked through this, who are walking through this now, and I know it is so painful and I'm just very, very sorry, but I want so much to offer you support and encouragement and hope and prayer. And so, um, I really think that this conversation should be an encouragement, might offer you a little more information or hope. Um, As Richard Capriola is our guest, and Richard has spent many years working in the mental health field as well as with addictions, and he's written a book called The Addicted Child, A Parent's Guide to Adolescent Substance Abuse, which is my favorite kind of resource. It's short and sweet. It's straight to the point. It covers everything you need and nothing you don't, so I think this is one of those books that should be on everyone's shelf. Um, if you have younger kids, it would be so helpful to just understand this issue. As there is no doubt, it will come up at some point. Your kids may have friends or classmates or people in your community who are dealing with addiction. And also, I think it's one of those books that's great to have on hand so that if one day you know someone walking through this, you can pass it along. But uh, I think that Richard shares some really helpful information today, some statistics, some things I didn't know before, as well as some hope and encouragement. So I hope you get a lot out of this conversation. I won't say much more. I'm going to let you jump in and listen. But first, I do want to thank you again for your ratings and reviews over on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. They are so encouraging to me. So if you haven't left one yet, maybe you can hit pause, scroll down on your phone, find those five stars and tap on them, or leave a few words about what you love most about the Boy Mom Podcast. Again, this is an episode you might want to shoot over to a friend. I always have show notes. That's an easy way to share an episode. Um, you can just share that um, the show notes and then they'll have a link to the episode as well. Also, are we friends on Instagram yet? I would love to meet you. If we haven't met on Instagram, you can find me at Monica Swanson underscore, and I'd love it if you'd say hello. It's also a great place to share a screenshot of this episode and uh, tag me there and let your friends know about this podcast. So thank you guys for being a part of this community. We are growing more and more every month and it is all because of you and how you share and listen and show up. So thank you. Thank you. I'll have a few final words to say at the end, but without further ado, here's Richard Capriola and I talking about the addicted child. I hope this is so helpful to you. Hey, Richard, welcome to the Boy Mom Podcast.
1: Thank you, Monica. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: Yeah, I'm really grateful that you would take the time to chat with us as I have been reading your book, The Addicted Child, which, by the way, is a really great, short, easy-to-read book. I, I, love, I love kind of guidebooks where you can grab what you need, so I've really appreciated your book. But man, it seems like timing is interesting as I've been reading it. I've just heard from so many people recently who are struggling, um, whose kids are struggling, I should say, with various types of addictions. And this is such an important topic. So I just am really grateful for the work you've done. But before we dive in and kind of talk about all of that, can you just introduce yourself, tell people about your background, your work, even your family?
1: Yeah, I, I, I'm i originally from Illinois. I uh, had a long history of, uh, of working in education administration. And as I transitioned out of that, I got involved with mental health, first in a mental health crisis center. And I noticed that a lot of people coming to the crisis center from the emergency rooms had a mental health issue as well as a substance use issue. So I went back to the University of Illinois and obtained a degree in what is basically addiction counseling. I continued to work at the crisis Center for a while until I was offered a position at Menninger Clinic in Houston, Texas, which is a large psychiatric hospital serving adolescents and adults from around the world. And I was hired as an addictions counselor there. I worked with adolescents and I worked with adults uh, for over a decade. And after I left Menninger, um, I wanted to write this Book for uh, for parents. I wanted it to be a resource for parents, and 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 I knew I know that parents are very busy. They don't have time to read volumes of information, so I tried to keep it at about a hundred pages, but pack in as much information as I could. Uh, my own family. Um, I'm married. Uh, uh, my wife was previously married. She has two grown children, and uh, they each have two children of their own. So there's four grandchildren. Uh, my son is in his mid thirties, and he is a paramedic uh, here in uh, uh, Texas, um, and uh, we sort of have uh, settled down just outside of Houston, Texas, and uh, I'm originally from Illinois, so I love the climate here, and I don't miss the snow and the sleet and all the cold, <laughs> and all the cold weather.
0: Right, yes. Well, as someone who came from the Pacific Northwest to Hawaii, I, I relate to that. <laughs> <laughs> Well, very cool. And uh, what a what an great background you have. You spent over a decade at the Menninger Clinic. And you said that's one of the most sought-after clinics for addiction. Is that correct?
1: It is a psychiatric hospital. So it serves primarily people with mental health issues, but a large percentage of them, over half of them, also have a substance use disorder. Um, and Menninger is ranked as one of the top 10 psychiatric hospitals in the country.
0: All right. Wow. Well, before we hit record, I was just mentioning that, you know, this is this is a time in our world that I just think it, it's tough to be a kid. It's It's got to be tough to grow up in our world, in our culture, but especially so through a pandemic and just the, the new stresses and strains that that brought. In addition to things like social media, I mean, all of these things that might seem like not that big of a deal, but when you think about the compounded stress that is on a teenager, uh, have you seen a difference in the past couple of years in changes, or is are we dealing with the same stuff as we always have?
1: Well, in terms of substances, uh, kids are still attracted to alcohol and marijuana. Those are the two primary substances, and that's been true for a long, long time. There is some exposure to the more hardcore drugs like LSD and cocaine and Ritalin and Adderall and and, and Vicodin, but those tend to be less than 5%. Kids are attracted to alcohol and marijuana, but what we have noticed uh, that's rather alarming, in the past three years, there has been a tremendous increase in the percentage of kids that are doing what we we call it vaping, which is where they will take a substance and like like uh, nicotine or marijuana. And they will uh, turn it. use an instrument that turns it into a vapor. That's called vaping. And in the last three years, the percentage of, of, of kids that are, are vaping has just skyrocketed. Um, you know, for example, three years ago, the percentage of high school seniors that were vaping marijuana was 9%. Today, it's 22%. Um, the percentage of high school seniors that were vaping nicotine three years ago was 18%. It's now 34%. So there's been a dramatic increase in in, in the vaping. In terms of In terms of mental health, you're absolutely right. The pandemic has had a tremendous impact on adults and adolescents as well. You mentioned social media. There was a study that was done by Facebook that just recently became public, and it is alarming as to what social media is doing, particularly to young teenage girls.
0: Oh, breaks my heart.
1: Yes, it's, it's, it's devastating.
0: I'm not surprised though. I think that's just confirming something we could have all guessed. Well, talk to me a little bit more about this vaping thing. Why do you think it's it's skyrocketing like this? Is do do kids understand the danger or is there some false message out there that it's safer than smoking cigarettes or it's safer than smoking marijuana? What what is the deal with vaping?
1: There is a perception that smoking um nicotine through vaping is safer than smoking cigarettes and st- tobacco smoking among adolescents uh, fortunately is at an all-time low but I think what's happened is they 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 have moved from smoking tobacco to vaping nicotine and and one of the disadvantages of that although you don't get all of the all of the substances that are in tobacco when you vape nicotine you get pure nicotine and you tend to get higher concentrations of nicotine which makes it much more addictive quickly
0: shoot darn it. <laughs> um,
1: and, and in oh. terms of the marijuana vaping, I think that's that's become a fad. Uh, I think these vaping instruments are easily obtainable. Uh, they can be disguised. And I think it's, it's, it's more the in thing to do right now.
0: Oh, man, what a bummer. They come in all different creative. I, I, I've never really looked at them, but I've heard they come in some creative things that kids... If unless their parents are really tuned in, could easily disguise, right?
1: It is. And, and, and there was research from the University of Rochester Medical Center uh, for both adults and kids who were vaping that showed that they're starting to report difficulty in concentrating and remembering.
0: Really? Oh, okay. I'm... I'm not surprised, is that something probably just because of the high concentrations or do we know why that would be?
1: I, I think it has to do with the interaction of the substance within the adolescent developing brain and its sure. impact on that brain and and the concentration and, and, and remembering aspects of vaping tend to tend to be more noticeable in kids who are between the ages of eight and 13.
0: Oh, my goodness. Eight-year-olds vaping. That that was my next question, was about what age are most kids being introduced to vaping?
1: Um, I I think it still is primarily uh, the adolescent years, the high school years. Mm -hmm. Uh, We tend to see kids getting involved in substances at very early ages. Through what we call inhalants, uh, which are basically inhaling a substance, maybe it's yeah. a uh, maybe it's a household product that's around the house that has a fume to it. Maybe it's some type of toxic markers and paint and glue and things like that. I'm that there. tends to we tend to see that in kids that are very very young, sometimes in preteen years. And, and that makes it much more devastating because their brains are even younger. Yeah, and yeah. the thing with uh, with inhalants is it gets you a very rapid high, a very mm. rapid intoxication, but mm-hmm. it doesn't last very long. So when they get involved with these inhalants, we tend to see them repeatedly using them over and over and over and over again, multiple mm. times uh, when the, when they try it.
0: Wow. Okay. This is kind of, kind of sad. Now, before we move on and talk about some other substances and addiction itself, just sticking on this thing of vaping, are there some things even with vaping that parents can look for? It, do you smell it on kids' breath if they're vaping nicotine? Like what are some things if a parent listening feels like their kid might be the type that would be curious, maybe they're hanging out with kids that parents aren't sure how they feel about them. What, what are some things parents can look
1: for? Well, you, you 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 may very well smell the odor of mm. of, of the either the marijuana or the nicotine, um, mm. uh, if if they're smoking in their room or if they're smoking uh, around the house. Uh, You may notice the odor either uh, in the air or perhaps on some of their clothes. If you do the laundry, Mm -hmm. Um, you may notice that uh, some of their behavior seems to be a little odd or a little bit different. Mm -hmm. You may discover in their room, you may discover a vaping pen. Uh, you, it may look a little strange to you and you but you will notice that 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 it looks a little strange yeah uh, or you may notice maybe a cartridge it's a cartridge that actually contains the marijuana or the nicotine that gets plugged into the instrument so you okay. might find some of these nicotine instruments around the house or in their clothing um, you're more likely probably to pick up an odor um, mm-hmm. even if they're using the substance away from home it still may get trapped in their clothing and you may pick up on that
0: okay so what would you suggest a parent's first step how should they respond they find something what do they do
1: next well regardless of what... the, regardless yeah, of the substance um, I think uh, the first thing you do is have a conversation with your child. Mm-hmm. And by that, I mean, you, you don't want to threaten, you don't want to accuse, you you don't want to punish, you want to approach it from a curiosity point of view. Right. I, I'm concerned about this, or I've noticed this, can you help me understand, you mm-hmm. know, what's going on? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're very good at listening to each other's words when we talk, but we're not so good many times at listening to the feelings that are behind the words. Mm -hmm. And, And that's a skill that every parent can learn and every parent can practice so that when we're talking to our children, we're not just hearing their words, we're hearing their feelings, and we can reflect those feelings back to the child. You know, something like, I'm hearing you say, you know, such and such, is that right? I sense that you're feeling such and such, is that right? So you begin to listen not only to the words, but you're listening to the feelings behind the words and reflecting those back to your child. That can be a very powerful communication. So I recommend you start with a discussion uh, 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 with your child and express, you know, your observations and your concerns. Now, that's likely to be a conversation that's going to go one of two ways. It's either going to blow up and the kid's going to become defensive and argumentative and maybe angry. Or it may go the other way and you actually learn some things that you mm-hmm. didn't know. But yeah. regardless of how it goes, if you're still concerned as a parent, you need to move to the next step, which is to get the assessments done that, that I've recommended in my book.
0: Yeah. Okay. And probably best to have both parents, if they're there, have this conversation, would you say, any, any other advice on having a, a hard conversation about this?
1: I think it, both parents are fine, but but if, uh, if, if, the, if the child seems to be uh, or appears to be closer to one parent or mm-hmm. the other parent, then I would say that that parent probably is the one who should take the lead.
0: Okay, that sounds reasonable. Well, why is it you mentioned alcohol and marijuana, kind of moving on to those substances in particular? Why is it that kids are and, and maybe vaping even fits into this because I'm I'm thinking in light of what we already discussed, the stresses and strains of being a teenager in today's world, is there an anxiety issue? What is leading to the rise in these substances?
1: Well, what's leading to the rise of the substances, I think, are two factors. One is availability. These Uh kids know that these drugs are readily available. Uh When we ask high school seniors, how easy is it for you to get marijuana? 79% 79% of them, almost 80% of them tell, them tell us it's very easy, it's no big deal. When we ask them how easy is it for you to get a drug like LSD, 30% say it's easy. If we oh. ask them how easy is it to get alcohol, over 80% say it's no problem, no big deal. Seriously. So, so there are, these drugs are readily available and the kids know it. The other issue is harmfulness these kids do not see these drugs as very harmful. For example, when we ask high school seniors, how harmful is it do you think smoking marijuana regularly is? Only 30% tell us they think that's harmful, only 30%. Hmm. Hmm. When we ask them, how harmful is it do you think having one or two drinks of alcohol nearly every day only 24% of high school seniors think that's a great risk and 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 as these kids go through the grades freshman sophomore junior senior the perception of harmfulness declines huh. so so they look at these drugs as being more risky as freshmen than they do by the time they get to be seniors
0: wow that is so interesting And have the drugs changed? Is marijuana the same now as it was 20 years ago? Or has it changed in what's in there, the potency?
1: It, 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 it is certainly much different than what it was uh, during the 60s and 70s, during when okay. Woodstock was going on, uh-huh. uh, when the, uh, uh, the THC, the psychoactive component of marijuana was maybe two to three percent. Uh-huh. With the way marijuana is being grown now, uh, the, the THC level uh, is significantly higher than that.
0: Oh really. Wow.
1: So it's much okay. more powerful drug is is what that comes down to. It's much more powerful right. today than it was 20 or 30 years ago.
0: Right. And kids want to believe that it doesn't affect them, but what can you walk us through a little bit? I love in your book. You've got some really great diagrams and charts and things that help us understand the effect on the brain. Can you just give a brief summary of of how marijuana affects a developing brain?
1: Most of the kids that I worked with at Menninger Clinic were smoking marijuana, um, often multiple times a day. And -hmm. these were very bright kids. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, their IQs were above average. uh, So they were very bright kids. Uh, When I asked them to help me understand why they were smoking so much marijuana, the number one answer that came back was it helps me with my anxiety. It helps me with my anxiety. But when the psychological and the neuropsychological tests came back on these kids, we noticed that the processing speed of their brain was below average. Mm. Their short-term memory was impaired, and their motivation was very low. Now, as a parent, you might not observe those subtle changes in the brain. We saw them because we had a neuropsychological assessment done. As a parent, you might not notice these things. You probably won't. Hmm. Uh, You might notice some short-term memory things. Um, Hmm. But these are examples examples of how a drug like marijuana interacts with the adolescent brain to make these type of changes. Parents need to know that the adolescent brain doesn't become fully developed until we're around age 25. So their child's brain is in the process of developing and maturing and developing those connections and those circuits that will be so very important in adulthood. And drugs interact with that brain to disrupt that process.
0: Wow, that's scary. and that's something that doesn't reverse later. Quit, it, no.
1: it does. Uh, our brains have a remarkable capacity to heal themselves. so once uh, once uh, you know an intervention or treatment is, is started and 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 the person moves away from using the substance, the brain has a remarkable capacity to heal itself and and we can see some pretty remarkable progress in uh, you know over time.
0: Okay good good that's good news okay yeah, so I want, if someone
1: parents I want parents to have a sense of hope uh, right. I want them to know that no matter how bad the situation is no matter how stressed or, or 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 afraid they are that there is a sense of hope that they can intervene they can get the assessments and they can find the appropriate, uh, treatment for their child, and, 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 and their child can get through this, and their family can get through this and recover. Yeah.
0: Yes. Oh, that's that's a good message. Well, can you tell us a little bit about what is involved in a comprehensive assessment for those parents who want to take that next step? Yeah,
1: my book lists the comprehensive assessments, and some examples are certainly you want an addictions assessment. So that's what mm-hmm. I was doing at Menninger Clinic, so that you get a, a, a comprehensive review of what drugs your child was using, how much they were using, how often they were using, and whether or not their uh, substance use is in the mild, the moderate, or the severe category. That's how we diagnose it. It's a substance use disorder that can be mild, moderate, or severe. So as a parent, you want to know where does my child fall Um, or, or is there not an issue at all? Then you will also want a good physical exam. You wanna rule out if there's anything physically going on with your child that might be contributing to the behaviors you're seeing. And you will want a psychological or a neuropsychological assessment to either rule in or rule out whether or not these underlying issues are there and if they're contributing to your child's use of a substance, issues like uh, anxiety, depression, some Mm -hmm. type of trauma, perhaps some bullying that might occur at school that you're unaware of. Uh, So so you want to get a good overview psychologically of what might be going on with your child and either rule things in or rule things out. And after these assessments, then you have a complete picture of what's going on. You have a treatment plan and you have recommendations on treatment, which could be anything from outpatient treatment to inpatient treatment, inpa, uh, intensive uh, outpatient treatment, or residential inpatient treatment, depending on the severity of the issues.
0: Okay. Wow. That's so good. But you're not alone. There's people there that can help you come alongside. Who, who would you recommend parents start with? Would you go to your family, your primary care physician, or straight to a counselor? Where do we start on this?
1: I think parents have a number of options. Certainly they can have a discussion with their family physician okay. uh, who can even do a, a rapid assessment uh, or certainly can refer you to other people in the community sure. that can do these assessments. You might also talk to the school counselor or the school social worker, some mm-hmm. of who can some of whom can do some of these assessments and or can or can make referrals to other professionals in the community. Mm-hmm. Um, You might talk uh, also to the Mental Health Association. Uh, that often can uh, make referrals and 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 can also be a good resource for supports for parents. Parents need help too. Uh,
0: mm, oftentimes yeah. we
1: put the focus on the child and and the parent gets neglected and, and and we fail to see that the parent's going through a crisis. The parent is yeah. is under stress. Many times the parent is feeling guilty. Where where did I go wrong? How did I sure. fail? Why didn't I see the the warning signs? So parents need help. Two, And yeah. my my message to parents is if you're going through this, get, get a support system. Maybe okay. it's a family friend. Maybe it's a support group. Maybe it's your church community. Maybe it's your church fellowship. Um, maybe it's a, a support group from the Mental Health Association. But Get the support that you will need to get through this. It it can make a difference. And and quite honestly, uh, you deserve to have the support as well.
0: Yes. Oh, that is such an important message. I'm really, really glad you said that. And okay, so so again, I'm I'm thinking of people I've heard from recently, so I'm trying to cover a lot of different scenarios here. How about for the parent who ch- has found out their child has been vaping or maybe occasionally drinking or smoking marijuana, vaping marijuana, if their child tells them, I, you know, I've only done it a couple times, I won't do it anymore, Is there a time that you you just walk through? Like, at what point do you want to do the assessment? How, How quickly would you jump into that?
1: Well, I, I think the first thing you'd want to do is uh, have a discussion with their child. What what mm-hmm. see if you can find out what led them to to to, sure. to 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 experiment that and yes. and were they just curious uh, or did they feel pressured by some peers? Uh, were they just interested in it? What was their experience with it? How mm-hmm. did you feel? And again, not from a judgmental point of view, but just from an inquiring point of view. And then take that information, which I think will guide you into the next steps.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm thinking that our our kids' use of, of cell phones, smartphones has to also just increase their ability to communicate and find things. And, and Because I'm thinking, where in the world are they getting this stuff? It, is it really that you said it's that easy to get? I guess- there's just a whole lot of factors that are making this really complicated for parents, right?
1: It is, uh, you know, and and you know, there there's a lot of information out there. Some of mm-hmm. it some of it good, some of it not so good. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you know, kids talk to each other, um, mm-hmm. and, and and there's just a lot of different avenues. Uh, that, sure. that kids have uh, have access to these days. Their own
0: language, even their code words for things parents wouldn't understand.
1: Yes, they have their own code words. They have their own language uh, uh, that, that is alien to parents. Uh, yeah. But uh, but definitely they have their own ways of getting information and learning about this stuff.
0: Sure. And you've seen some stories. Do you have any stories or just maybe some encouragement for people who have been in addiction who you've seen come out and and go on?
1: Well, many of the children, the teenagers that, that, that I worked with at Menninger Clinic, um, had severe underlying psychological issues. Okay. Um, they they might have been suffering from severe depression. Uh, they might have had a history of self-injury or an eating mm-hmm. disorder. Those sure. can accompany a substance use by a child. Um, they may have had an emerging personality disorder. So yeah. the, the underlying issues uh, were very severe, as was the substance use. Got it. Many of those children, a large percentage of them, went on to residential treatment uh, mm-hmm. at specialized residential places that could treat not only their substance use, but also the underlying issues that they were dealing with. And I did hear back uh, from time to time on how well they were doing. There was uh, uh, great success stories Mm. about how they had completed their residential treatment, how they had gone on to college and graduated from college. Some of them got married. uh, Others went into careers. So yes, there were tremendous success stories because what we know is that treatment works. The longer the treatment, the better the outcomes, especially if a child has a severe addiction. But we know that treatment works and we know that mandated treatment works. None of these teenagers that came into Menninger were coming in cooperating none okay. of them came in voluntarily they That's came in yelling remember. and they came in screaming and they came <laughs> sure. in begging and bargaining and, and, oh my goodness. and throwing uh, tantrums yep. which is nothing new to parent every parent <laughs> know every parent has heard their child tell them no so right. so, so yeah. they're used to that but 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 these parents realized that this was the best option that they had. This was the right time and the right thing to do. And they held the line and and brought their child in.
0: Good parenting. Good. And
1: and what I noticed was when these young men and women came in so angry, uh, angry at their parents, angry at the situation, I watched them over a week or so settle in, get involved in the process, get involved in the assessments and the groups, and and I saw a remarkable change on them within mm-hmm. a short period of time. So they came in angry and upset,
0: mm-hmm. but they
1: settled down and they got involved in the treatment process.
0: Okay, I love that. It, it reminds me of, you know, when kids are young and you're dropping them off at... Sunday school and they're throwing a fit but you or, or preschool and if you walk away 10 seconds later and you peek in the window they're doing just fine that's well, right, probably, that's right. we need to apply the same thing if parents feel like oh the the fallout's gonna be too much you know I can't even imagine what my child would do my teenager would do well just like you said, there's a good chance that they will settle in. And yes. it's it's the most loving thing to do to help them get over such a something that could potentially only get worse in time. Okay. And one more question for you before I let you go from the work you've done. For those of us who aren't dealing with this in our own families, but we have a friend who we find out is dealing with it. I think that from what I've heard from others, is it can feel really isolating. There's, there is that sense of asking how I've contributed to it as a parent and sometimes shame or guilt. What can we do to rally behind our friends and support them?
1: I think that's really important um, because uh, parents who are going through this uh, need a support system. They mm-hmm. need friends. They need help. Um, I would recommend that um, if you have a copy of my book, The Addicted Child, A Parent's yep. Guide to Adolescent Substance Abuse, that you keep it on your bookshelf mm-hmm. and, and and offer that to any yeah. family that you think might be going through this. Sure. I would also recommend that you give them a copy of the parent workbook. Uh, oh. The parent workbook has exercises in it. And again, it's very brief, but it has exercises in it that can help parents. Um, one of the exercises is the parent writes a letter to their child. Now, they don't have to share the letter with their child, but it's a way in which they can write a letter and get their feelings down on paper on what they're going through and how this has affected them and their family. Mm -hmm. There's also a couple of uh, exercises on how to deal with anxiety, a breathing exercise. And there is also some tips on how you can communicate with your child and listen to your child's feelings as well as their words. Mm -hmm. So if I have somebody, a family that's going through this, I might offer them a copy of the main book, which is educational, and a copy of the workbook. And and if it's a good friend, a close friend, I might say, you know, if you feel comfortable sharing what you wrote in the workbook, I'll be happy to sit there and listen to you, because Mm. I think that workbook can be really powerful if you have somebody that can, that you feel comfortable sharing the exercises with, who can give you feedback
0: and, Mm. and, and
1: encouragement.
0: Oh, I love that. Now, is the parent workbook something we can find also on Amazon? Where Where do we get the parent workbook?
1: The parent workbook, uh, as well as the main workbook, are, are, are on Amazon. Um, okay. The easiest way to go, if you don't go directly to Amazon and put in The Addicted Child, uh, a, a Parent's Guide to Adolescent Substance Abuse, is go and visit the book's website, which is www.helptheaddictedchild.com helptheaddictedchild.com. There you'll be able to read endorsements and book reviews, a sample chapter. Uh, There's a link that will take you directly to Amazon where you can order the book or the workbook. The book itself is available as a Kindle. It's also available in paperback for those who like to make notes and and highlight. Um, And there's also a link that will take you to the workbook.
0: Awesome. Oh, that's so helpful. Yes. And I'll be linking to all of those places in our show notes. Uh, I personally do love a paperback that I can highlight and write in. I think everyone should have a copy or four or five of these on their bookshelf, I think it's so good for all of us to learn and understand, to be aware. You know, some of the moms I've talked to said they would have never in a million years thought that their child, you know, maybe they have two kids who are raised exactly the same. One of them never touched a substance. The other one is a com- completely addicted at this point. And So I think it, it's good to always know that, that um, what's going on, what to look for if, if, If it's not for you, it's probably for a friend, somebody at your church. There's somebody out there struggling with this. And so I just appreciate that you did such a great job of gathering so much information and keeping it short and sweet. And um, it's really, like you said, it's a handbook. It's a guidebook. So thank you for writing this book. And thank you for taking the time to share with us and encourage some parents out there. Just appreciate the work you've done so much, Richard.
1: Thank you Monica it's been great uh, uh, talking with you and sharing information and uh, and hopefully uh, everybody who uh, listens to this will find it to be a blessing uh, yes. and hopefully uh, we've given them some good information so thank you totally. so much for inviting me to have this discussion
0: All right, friends, I hope you enjoyed that conversation and definitely visit show notes to get links to the book and anything else that Richard mentioned. You can find show notes at monicaswanson.com forward slash episode dash 145. All right. So thank you for being a part of this community. Next week, I'll be back with another episode covering what your son needs most from you, drawing from my book, Boy Mom. So I'm excited about that. And so many great episodes coming up this spring. So thank you for being here. Have a wonderful rest of your week. And until next time, aloha.